Well, good morning. Stand today with me for the reading of God's Word. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Say amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. I believe you are. You are glad to be here as well. And uh, great things definitely will be happening today in the house of the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. One more time, I just want to welcome all of you. You look so beautiful. I wish I could, I should take a panorama picture real quick. Of everybody. You look so awesome. So glad to have everyone in the house of the Lord. Again, if you're a first-time guest with us uh, today, we, we're just so glad that you came into Crossroads Church to worship with us. We have a clean campus, by the way, that we launched a year ago today. Today. Today is the, the one-year anniversary that our Colleen campus, the official launch of our Colleen campus. And uh, a year later, um, my mom was texting. We had great crowds over there today, and we're in construction over there. Uh, you need to go over to our clean campus, go over there for the 9 a.m. service, check it out, see the construction that's going on. Our parents are doing a great work over there. They're, they just thought they were retired, and, uh, but they're back at it again. And, and uh, all of our wonderful volunteers over there making uh, just, we believe, clean a great place to be once again. And so we're excited about that. If you're watching on the Internet today, we're, we're so glad that you tune in to, to join us today as well. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, and the word of the Lord reads, And after you have suffered a little while, everybody say a little while. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of of all grace, everybody say all grace. The God of all grace uh, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. And I love this last part, how it says it. It says, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. One more time. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, everyone say it with me, he will what? He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I believe today that God is here today to confirm, to strengthen, and establish you today. Let's pray. Father, one last time, we just thank you before we move on, this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, what a joy and a pleasure it is to come together, to celebrate together, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. And and we as Christians, we get to celebrate this every day of every year, Lord. But the whole world joins us today, Lord, because we we know how important it is that your death and your resurrection, and because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you die, we don't have to die, God. We can live in eternity with you forever, God. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be called sons and daughters of you, Jesus. And we just thank you, God, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. So be give the Lord a praise today as you're seated in his house. You know, uh, again, I just, I was just so excited about today, and I have family here with me today. My brother, many of you don't know, his job, uh, he still has a house in Salado, and his family is in Salado, but John has uh, relocated to New Jersey for a few months. Um, his job, he's received a promotion, but my brother is in the house today with us. I, I'm glad. I don't know where he's at. He's the tallest guy in the house. I should be able to find him, uh, besides Caleb. But uh, so I'm glad he's here today and um, with us. And I am also so excited to have uh, some of my in-laws, my, my bro- other brothers and sister-in-laws in the house. So where's my other part of my family? Right here. Awesome. Some of them. Okay, we've got two rows here. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that they're in the house with us today. And, and one of my other nannies, my, my grandma's here today as well, my other nanny. So we're so glad to have everyone in the house today. If you brought friends and family with you, man, we're just so excited to have you. Easter 2000, 
13. I don't know about you, but that sounds like, kind of sounds crazy. It sounds like Easter 2013 has snuck up on us. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, it was like two weeks ago we were in spring break. I'm in my boxers and my gym shirt lounging around the house, and here we are, Easter 2013. I'm like, what happened? And we woke up, went to sleep one night at spring break, wake up the next day, it's Easter. And then before we know it, man, it's going to be summer. The kids are going to be out of school, and, and uh, then it's going to be summer, and then it's going to be fall, and then school starts back, and then we're into Christmas. And then before we know it, 12 months later, it'll be Easter 2014. Easter 2000, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm nostalgic, and, and, and the older you get, I think you're supposed to get a little bit more nostalgic, but um, I don't know, it just seems like everything has just gone by so lightning fast. Does anybody else feel that way? Am I the only crazy one in the house? Okay, there's a few of us out there. Easter, it just snuck up on us. And as I began to think about how quick Easter has come upon us, I, I just began to think about the past Easter's that we've celebrated, kind of some of the things we've done around the church here, some of the things we've participated in as a family. I think about some of the Easter traditions. Um, how many in here would you would raise your hand if this is true for you, but you do an Easter egg hunt. The Easter bunny shows up to your house or your grandparents' house somewhere. Raise your hand in the air. Wave it, wave it like you just don't care if that's you. All right, so, so a good majority of us, we celebrate Easter via the Easter bunny or whatever, and he shows up to our house. But, you know, it's kind of like Santa Claus. Man, when you get older, they stop bringing you stuff. And then you've got to go out and buy stuff for yourself. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know if there's any other parents, but that's what this Easter bunny does. Making sure Harrison's not in here. He is in kids' church, in fact. Okay. Um, you know, the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, they stop, you get older, they stop bringing you stuff. I love gifts just as much as the next guy. I mean, that's my love language. Holly and I, when we first got married, I told her, I was like, by the way, one of my love languages is giving, is receiving gifts. So, you know, if you want me to love you back, you got to give, you know, I need gifts. I need toys and, you know, and guns and, and you know, I need stuff. I need man stuff. And that's my love language. She, she wants me to talk to her, so this is me talking, by the way, to everybody else, but you at the same time. So, and, and so the Easter Bunny, you know, and he just stops, instead of, they stop bringing us adult stuff. So in our house, I just, when I'm picking up the kids' stuff, I was like, you know what, I, I think I would like that. I'm going to get that for Easter. And the Easter Bunny's going to visit me this year. And we have all kinds of traditions. I think about our traditions, and, and uh, we celebrated Easter with my family on, on Good Friday, and, and uh and so uh, uh, we, we had our Easter egg hunt there at my parents' house. And today we're going to go over to my, my in-law's house. We're going to have the Easter egg hunt there as well. So, um, you know, and both sets of my parents, if you will, like to hide money and stuff. And so there's a mad scramble at our houses. We're going to knock each other over. You know, when, when money's thrown out, you know, you act like a Pharisee real quick. And uh, you can play like you don't, but, yeah, just win the lottery. See how quick t- and tight you become with all your family. And so, man, we're, you know, we're trying to find out which egg is it. And, and my, my brother-in-laws are here today. And, man, we'll scrap each other. We'll, we'll wrestle with each other to get it. And when we're pushing our kids, hurry, son, go, go. Knock them out of the way. Get that egg. Get that egg. Go. It's over here. You missed it over here. And we're cheering them on. Traditions. I think about all the wonderful traditions. And one of the, one of the great traditions of Easter is that a lot of people, they'll dress up for Easter, right? Maybe you, maybe you, uh, maybe you put on a collar shirt. Maybe you're more of a T-shirt guy. And you wore a collar shirt today. And you, you stepped it up. Uh, maybe you wore a tie, you know, or a suit or whatever. So there are all kinds of traditions. And as I, as I just began to think and personally reflect on some of the past Easter's that we've had in our family, I just began to think back year after year and, 
And the further I went back, the, the more I just began to think about it. And I just kept going and going and, and just kept thinking. But thinking, I went all the way back to the year 2000. Just began to think about some of these issues that we had. And, and I was sitting there thinking about Y2K, the year 2000, and, and Easter in, in, in that year. And we hadn't had our first child yet, and it was just us two. And, and, um, and Roxy was born in 2001. And, and I was just thinking about, man, you know, 13 years from from the year 2000 to the year 2013, a lot has happened just, just in 13 years. And, and maybe this is an opportunity for you right now, with, maybe you're sitting with your spouse or a loved one or a friend, or maybe you came by yourself today, just for a moment, you know, take a pause for the cause and think back 13 years ago where you were, what you were doing, more importantly, how far God has brought you. You know, I think about in our church, in 13 years, we've lost some people that have been close to us. You know, I think about some of the people that, that have, have left here and gone on to eternity. I remember when Jordan died. I remember when we, we lost some things during that time. But when, when we lose stuff, God has a way, as, we, as we've seen already in the opening video in that last video, that God has a way of restoring us, doesn't he? Even when there's an incredible loss in our life, God has a way of restoring us and building us up and lifting us up and encouraging us. And I don't know about you, but over the past 13 years or 14 years or 15 years are, Maybe pick a significant date in your life in the past and think about from then to where you are now at church, how far God has brought you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's brought you a long way. And maybe it should be long, long, really, really long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you, he's cleaned you up. He's, he's washed you in his blood. He's given you a new life. He's brought you a long way. And and I just think, wow, you know, a lot has happened since then. You know, since, since Jesus came on the scene, there's been a lot of people, a l- more people than I'm going to share with you today. And, and you're aware of this. You watch the same news I do. You read the same Bible that I've read. You, you've encountered maybe some of the things that I have and, and, and just in our society. There's been a lot of people who have been on this planet who have claimed to be Jesus himself. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who said, you know what, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. You should follow me. And uh, one of those men was uh, Jim Jones, November the 9th, 1978. Now, you may not be old enough to remember that, but there was a guy named Jim Jones, and on November the 9th, 1978, he convinced 903 of his followers to commit suicide. He had taught them and told them that he was the way, that he was the Messiah, and he was preaching that the end was near. It was, it was doom and gloom, and, and that through their death, that they were going to prove a point, that through their death, they were going to prove to the world that, that he was the Messiah, that he was the one that they should follow. And, and many of them were children. Uh, we're familiar with this one. Uh, David Koresh, April the 19th, 1993, right here in, almost in our backyard, right outside of Waco. How many remember that event? Hasn't been really, it seems, man, it doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, I guess. But uh, we're familiar with him. And, you know, there, there are YouTube clips of him and him talking about him being the Messiah. And he led a bunch of people, again, astray and, 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 and led a, people, a bunch of people to their death. And there's always been people that have popped up and claimed that they were a Messiah. How about this one? On March the 26th, 1996, March 26th, 1996, a man, a gentleman, if that's the right word, by the name of Marshall Apple white. Now, if you remember when Haley's Comet was making its come around uh, the earth, um, he was preaching to his disciples that they were going to, there was, a, there was a spaceship on the back of Haley's Comet. Do you remember this? I, I do remember watching this on the news. 
and they were out in California, of all places. My dad's from California, by the way. And, uh, and uh, they were out in California. I can't laugh without saying it. Uh, they were out in California, and, uh, and they believed that Halley's Comet, there was a spaceship attached, kind of floating behind Halley's Comet, and he told all of his followers that they were going to take their lives, but in doing so, they would be joined with him and uh, would live forever with him on this spaceship. And it was going to, like, travel the universes and stuff. Sounds like a pretty good deal, I guess. Um, but they missed out on that, obviously. And so there's been all kinds of people. There's been all kinds of people. And you know what they had in common? This, this is their common denominator, besides being crazy. Um, the common denominator is that they were all preaching the end is near, the end is near, the end is near. It was chicken little, the sky is about to fall. The end is near. The end is coming, the end is near, the end is near. And, and, and so many people have, have, have or did buy into that and will buy into other false people that come in and say that they're the Messiah, that they should follow them. And their common denominator is that it's always the end. The end is always here. It's just, they're just the bearer of bad news. What sets Jesus so different from these guys is that Jesus didn't talk about the end. He began to talk about the beginning. And he began to tell people, he would look them in the eyes and say, you know what, you can have a new beginning. That it's not your end that matters, it's how you begin right now. And I believe that God brought you here from wherever. I believe he sent me from Salado, Texas to tell you today that, that God has got a new beginning for you. Look at your neighbor and say, there is a new beginning for you. There's a new beginning for you. So no matter what your ending may look like today, I believe that God is here to encounter you and give you a beautiful new beginning. And so many of us in here today, we've experienced these new beginnings through maybe relationships with a spouse. God has brought someone in your life to encourage you and to lift you up and to make you a better person. And all the men in here said, amen. My wife absolutely compliments me. She absolutely, absolutely makes me a better person. She should be standing up here with me the whole time I preach so you guys actually pay attention. He's better looking than I am. <laughs> and there are people that come in our life that God sends our way to, to give us a new beginning. There, there are some of us in here that, that we've encountered a second lease on life. Maybe you were in a car wreck or you were in an accident or you, in, you were in a situation and, you know, you pray the prayer that you see in, on TV and movies or in Hollywood or you really pray that prayer to God, if you get me out of here, I swear I'll never do this again. I know I said it the last time, but I mean it this time. <laughs> We've all kind of prayed those prayers at some point. God, if you get me out of this, if you, the, you know, whatever, you know, you, you, we bargain with God. We, we pray those prayers. We, some of us have been given a new lease on life. We've been given a second chance or third chance or fourth or fifth or we run out of fingers counting how many times God has said, you know what, I'll give you a genesis. I'll give you a new beginning. And he said, you know, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers, man. I'll do all those things. But what I love most about serving God about being a disciple and a Christ follower is knowing that Jesus gives me a fresh start. He gives me a new beginning. Knowing that my past doesn't dictate my future. Amen? Knowing that what I did yesterday doesn't mean that I have to be that person today. That who I was yesterday or the week before or, or, or Easter 2012 doesn't mean that I have to be that same guy on Easter 2013. So who, who's here and you're ready for a new beginning today? Amen? I believe that you are. I believe that God has a new beginning for you today. I want to share with you another scripture. And it's found in John 10.10. 10, and my wife actually already spoken of this earlier and as she opened up with it. The Bible says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The Bible says that the devil's come. He's come to steal, to kill, destroy. He's a hater. He's come to hate on you. It's time today that we shake the haters off. Amen? The devil's come. He, he's come to hate on you. He's come to, uh, he's come to trip you up. He's come to wear you down and wear you out and, and, and make you think that you're no good enough, that you're not anything, that you'll never be anything, that you'll never accomplish anything, that, that you're so insignificant, that your life doesn't matter, that you're just a, that you're just a person in this soft, cushion, awesome chair that you came and sat down on today, that you're just a nobody warming that chair. That's all you're doing. That's just your job there. You're insignificant. You don't matter. He's come to steal your identity, to rob from you. And Jesus says, I've come to give you life and that you may have life to the fullest, that you can have life abundantly. I would argue today that as many of us that are sitting here, we're in this house today, that life has found a way to come in and cheat us, hasn't it? It's, it's found a way, sometimes emotionally, where life finds a way into our lives and it drains us emotionally. It, it, it just takes everything out of us. We don't want to go on. We want to give up. You know, if you're here today and that's you, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you an evil person. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or won't use you. It just means that you're human. That you're just like the rest of us. That there are moments where life overwhelms us. That life overtakes us. Let me say it this way. That life becomes bigger than us. Let me say that again. That life becomes bigger than us. Now, I have some friends in here today that, that you may never know it, but that, that are my bodyguards, and they're here today. And they're sitting on the front row right here. Some of the two biggest men in this church. They're all swole and sitting up here, and, and these, these are my friends. And these are some big dudes. You know, you got to get to me. You got to go through that. I wouldn't want to do that, but I would love to see somebody try. I'm just saying, but... But in all seriousness, these are my friends. These are, these are my protectors. These are guys that, they got my back. You ever, you ever had someone in life, they just got your back? You know, you can, you can act a fool. You can be stupid. You know, you got someone there to protect you, to snatch you out just at the last minute. When I think about Jesus, and the Bible calls him a friend to us, to me, that's what I think about a friend is. When we're acting stupid and foolish, someone who's polite enough to come up and say, you're acting like a fool, you know. Sometimes that's our spouse. Uh, but someone to come alongside of and say, you know what, you're acting a little crazy. You, you know, you, you, you're, you're off your rocker. You're, you're acting like these guys that Pastor Matt just talked about. You're a little crazy. You need to rein it back. Come back in. Pull it back in. We, gotta, we all have a little crazy in us. Now, you can deny it. Act like it's not in you. I'm telling you it's in you. And what happens is, listen to me, church, the world will become bigger than us. The world is just bigger than us. And life and situations and circumstances are bigger than us. It may have been recently that you've encountered something emotionally that was bigger than you. And, and maybe the words you use to describe the situation are this. Man, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I, I'm distraught. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, maybe you've used some other explicitives to, uh, to explain uh, how you feel. But I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm distraught. I, I, emotionally, something is bigger than me. We know that the world is a big place, but emotionally, it overcomes us, it overtakes us, and, and sometimes we just don't know how to handle things and make sense of things, and we're just, we're just distraught. And I think Jesus is that friend. I know he's that friend that he comes into our lives, and in the, those situations when we're emotionally vulnerable, when, we're, when we feel crazy, when we feel like we're at our wit's end or we're at the end of our rope, and he begins to make sense of things in our life. 
It's Jesus, church, that, that you're here today. It's because of him that, that in the midst of your emotional distress, it's because of him that in the midst of your chaos in your life, he's been the one that's come down and he's turned the volume down. It's been him that was behind the scenes when you didn't know it, who was working for you and not against you. It was him when, when no one else was there to tell you when you laid your head on your pillow at night and you wanted to give up on life, you found a little strength to wake up the next morning. That is Jesus. It's been Jesus the whole time as we've been talking about during our series, the thread that's been holding your life together. While you think you're unraveling, Jesus is coming right behind you every time and he's, he's putting you back together. He's picking up your pieces. He's putting your life back together. He's scooping up the mess, amen. He's, he's just like the janitor in your life. He's coming behind you. He's cleaning up your stuff for you. He's cleaning up your mess. He's making sense of things today. I believe that Jesus is the one that helps us connect the dots in life. So when there is turmoil and stress, when there is frustration, when there's death, when there's loss, when we grieve, when we hurt, all of those things that we experience, I believe that's Jesus that comes along and says, you know what, I'm for you and I'm not against you. Let me connect these dots for you. Let me show you how I'm working in this situation. I know it's bigger than you. I know it's bigger than you. I know it's stronger than you. I know that it will outwit you and outsmart you. But guess what? I'm the king of the universe. I made this stinking world. There's nothing, anything in this world that's bigger, smarter, badder, bigger than me. I am the king. Amen? And we serve. Give the Lord a praise today. Amen. And we serve a risen king today. You know, when I think about Jesus, Jesus was a man's man. You know, I know often we see pictures of Jesus. This chair is not here for me, but I'm the pastor and I'm going to use it. Um, we see pictures of Jesus. Almost like, you know, when, when we're doing those high school cheesy photos and they make you like turn your head like this in a way that you would never actually pose. Hey, ladies. You know. But you always see Jesus like that, don't you? Just, just pious and just cool, calm, calm. And he was. He was. He was always cool, calm, and collected. But, but I believe Jesus was a man's man. After all, he got 12 rough fishermen, tax collectors, liars, and thieves to follow him. Those guys don't follow. <laughs> I believe Jesus, you know what? I believe Jesus would have been on a brawny commercial. I do. I believe Jesus could have been the brawny man. I believe he could have. I, could, I believe he could have been on the paper towel, like the big flannel shirt with an axe in his hand and a, a big beard, you know. I also believe that Jesus could have put on a suit and tie and rocked rock the office. I believe he could. You know how I know all these things? Because, number one, the facts are this. Jesus died a real death. He had a real resurrection. The Bible says he's not here on earth in some nation or city, and we're all looking for him still. The Bible tells us that he's in heaven right now preparing a home for those who give their life to him, those who say, I want to be, be a Christ follower. So he's not here on this planet. He's not backstage waiting to come out and surprise everybody. He's in heaven, okay? And if he's in heaven and we're here, how do people that we know ever encounter Jesus? They do it through us. They do it through the brawny guy. They do it through the guy that puts on the suit and tie. They do it through you. People meet Jesus because of you. We attract people to Jesus. I believe Jesus was the man. I believe he was the man. You know what I mean? I, I believe he was a bomb before the bomb.com was popular. I believe, I believe Jesus was a bomb. I believe he was it. I believe he, he was 
he was amazing to be around. I, he, he was just an amazing person. And, and as we talk about his life and we think about his life, one of the things that I think about, because my older brother is here in the house, is that Jesus had brothers. The Bible tells us that. James was one of those brothers. And, and I don't know about you, but this played out in my head this way. When I think about Jesus, I think about Easter, the whole family dynamic. So can you imagine this? We're, this also is a time that the Jewish culture celebrates the Passover. And Jesus certainly celebrated the Passover. And it was around this time that, that he went to the cross. So can you imagine being James, the brother of Jesus, sitting together at Passover? And just like we do with our kids, when they come home from school, we sit down at the dinner table after we pulled each other's hair out and things have calmed down. And uh, you can act like your family's not like that, but that's okay. And uh, we sit down together. And we talk about how was your day, what did you do today, was it a good day, was it a bad day, what happened at school. We talk about all that. Can you imagine being James, the brother of Jesus, sitting down at the table with Joseph and Mary, maybe your other brothers there, and they begin to ask, so how was your day? What did you guys do today? Jesus, being the older brother, probably go first. Well, today I, I taught a guy how to walk on water and... Uh, you know what, Mom, I was just thinking the other day. Remember that time we were at that wedding? We were invited to some friends of ours at a wedding, and you asked me to turn water into wine, and, you know, I got a little sideways with you, and I told you my time hasn't come yet, and, but yet I did it anyways because I said, I, you know, I need to show the world that my father has power over all things. But So I turned water into wine. Do you remember that? I ran into that guy the other day when I was walking through the streets of Galilee, and I, I ended up healing this woman uh, and this, this guy, and during that time, and, and I, I encountered some other people, and I healed them. And, and you know, if you're James, you're like, Great. Thanks a lot, Jesus. <laughs> James, what about you? Well, I went fishing again today. Uh, the fish that we have, I know that we've eaten all this fish, and I'm sure Jesus, being how wonderful he is, will multiply more fish. So whatever, he's going to steal that thunder. And my older brother, I mean, I, I'm trying, I think about my older brother trying to live up in his shoes, live up to him, and I'm thinking, man, if Jesus was your brother trying to live up to him, that would be, that would be tough stuff. And our, our, the family dynamic, and what, what I love about that, the reason I said that is because we need to see the humanity of Jesus. We need to see that Jesus was all man. That when, that when he died on a cross, you know, not only did he have the weight of the world on his shoulders, but at the same time, he went through real pain, like physical pain. He encountered real pain for us, real physical pain. You know, we get a splinter in our hand, and it brings us to our knees. And try, try having a nail drove through your hands and your feet. Someone stab you in the side. Someone make a crown of thorns and mock you and strip you of your clothes and pluck the beard from your face and beat you so not, not only your followers recognize you. And, and Jesus went through this physical stuff for us, not just, not just the weight of the world, but, but he, he finds a way to make all things beautiful. And when I think about the cross and all that Jesus did for us and all that he does do for us and how he does make things beautiful for us. You know, for the women that are in the house today, that you have a unique perspective on this that no man in here does. But being the mother of Jesus, you know that the angel has come to you and has said to you, of all people, has said to you, um, God is going to use the baby that's in you to make this world a beautiful place, right? And, and so you, 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 you were tasked with this privilege, but this responsibility of carrying around the Savior of the world, and you go to a manger, and the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is born 
in a manger. He's born in an in a insignificant place. But God has a way, Jesus has a way of making everything beautiful. Let's watch this. All right, hey, what's up, Crossroads Church? Um, I'm here at my house. I'm in my bathroom right now. Uh, Holly is in there putting her makeup on. We're going to go sneak up on her and uh, check her putting her makeup on. So I'm going to be in trouble as she's watching this. Hey, what's up, kids? Nothing. Get out of here. No. No, get out of here. It's for God, for church. I don't for care. Leave me alone. Get out of here. I'm getting beautiful. I know you are. What if I told you that Jesus makes everybody beautiful? Would that make this okay? <laughs> no, go. <laughs> Oh, 
Stand your feet all across this place. We're going to close in a moment of prayer. Two of my favorite verses uh, found in Scripture, only because they mean so much to me in my life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things are passed away. The old has been gone, and the new has come. And the Romans 10, 9 and 10, something we talk about every Sunday in our church, tells us that if we will confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ, Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that we're saved. 
hear my heart today, church. Just saying those words doesn't make you saved. You've got to believe it. You've got to know it. You can't just, you know, come to a church once a year, rehearse a prayer, and somehow God is going to make everything. I believe he can make something beautiful out of us, absolutely. But it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a life choice. We're encouraging everyone here today, become a, become a follower of Christ. If you're not a disciple of Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a Christ follower, today, what I was talking about at the beginning, today is your beginning. Today is your opportunity. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, 